Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. and welcome to another episode of At The Table. It's Jackie King with another episode of Talking Women and Leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention. I am so excited to invite to the show today my new friend, Candy Gallaty. Candy, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Jackie. I'm excited to be here. Yes, very excited for you to be here. We are going to be talking about discipleship and investing our lives in one another. And so there is just a lot to talk about today. So, Candy, why don't we start off a little bit with um, what is your story? How did this get started? What roles do you play? What hats do you wear? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from Louisiana, um, from a little town right outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And um, I grew up Southern Baptist. I went to a little Southern Baptist church in my hometown there. And I, I, may, I can, as far as I can remember, um, I was in church there. So I think, you know, my memories start, I guess, at about seven years old, seven or eight years old there. And so I had made a profession of faith when I was about 10 and, um, you know, was very involved in my church. But then years later, kind of those later high school years, early college years, really was not living for the Lord. And so the Lord really just kind of opened my eyes. Um, I was in a, just a real sinful relationship at the time. And so he just kind of, you know, opened my eyes and I'm like, what in the world am I doing? And so I really, truly um, kind of sought some counsel, went to my home church and went to my youth pastor at the time, even though I was I was in college, but he mm-hmm. was just a godly influence in my life. And so he actually asked me if I was saved and I said, yes. And he said, how do you know? And when he said, how do I know? I had like nothing to answer to that question. And all I could remember was, Hey, I walked the aisle when I was 10 years old, you know, and I remember that. And I remember being very sincere, but other than that, I really had nothing to say. And he said, don't you think if the Lord had saved you, you would have something more to say than you had just walked the aisle, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) I should have an answer to this question, you know? And um, so I really, literally, I was in his living room, got down on my knees and just, you know, just told the Lord how sorry I was for like what I was doing at that point in time in my life. And um, I just said, I'll just give you my life. I just laid at your feet and will you just please take it and just do whatever you want. And so I got up from, from that day and that's what I use as my salvation because even though I was very sincere when I was 10, my life was not lining up with um, Mm -hmm. the truth of the gospel. I was not living in that way. And so when I got saved at that point, I was almost 21 years old and I just felt like the Lord had saved me from so much junk. It's, it's like Luke 7, 47, those um, who, you know, are forgiven much, love much. And that's what I felt like in my heart. I just, and I just wanted to help women not make the same mistakes that I had made. And so that was how that initial passion for discipleship began in my heart. But I don't think at the time I knew that's what it was. I just um, wanted to reach people, you know, obviously, and, and just help, you know, come alongside my friends and like women that I worked with at the time and, and that sort of thing. And just show them like, how do you live for the Lord and how do you not make these um, huge, you know, mistakes in your life and things that you would later be ashamed of, you know? Mm -hmm. And so while I was at my church, um, it was before I had met my husband, 
I served in every area of ministry that you could. So uh, prison ministry, nursing home ministry, children's ministry, you know, women's ministry. It was just whatever I could do, you know. And um, it wasn't until I met my husband in 2004, both of our hearts were just pointed towards discipleship. And as we came together, um, just really and truly this passion and this ministry was born um, that the two of us, you know, just wanted to invest in people and just really get back to true biblical discipleship in the way that Jesus intended for it and not just a program that we take, you know, at different churches or institutions or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how it all started. And, you know, here we are. So let's, what is that? 15 years later. And so a lot of what we've learned has just been through trial and error of discipleship, like trying things and kind of figuring out what is the most effective um, model and method and, and that sort of a thing. So we've just kind of figured this out along the way to where now we, we feel like we have a, a pretty effective process and at least we can point people in the right direction and give them suggestions on how they can come up with their own strategy mm-hmm. and in their, in their own context um, to obey Jesus's command, you know, to, to go and make disciples. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there because I think there's even probably a lot that are listening um, that have grown up in the church and just this concept of walking down the aisle or saying a prayer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That that is kind of like the the goal and there's so much past that um, initial goal. I think that was kind of set up. So how have you seen, you and Robbie both, I guess, um, that that has really been the definition of discipleship up until these last um, few years, you know, that there's yeah. really kind of been a shift in more of that relational aspect that coming alongside. So let's talk first about just the error um, of how we can't keep that goal as just you need to say a prayer or you need to walk an aisle, like that one moment kind of thing. Like how have you seen yeah. that not only playing out in your life, but just within the churches that you've led, the ministries that you've led? Um, what do you yeah. see there? Yeah, I mean, really at the heart of what it means to be a disciple is to be a learner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to be a student and it's to it's to follow after someone as they're following after Christ. And, you know, I think when I would when I walked the aisle when I was 10, had somebody said, hey, you know, so and so is going to walk alongside of you and, you know, just help you with the next step in your spiritual journey. That would have been ideal. And that, that really didn't happen. And I mean, I don't think that was anybody's fault necessarily. And I just don't think in my church, particularly that that was kind of taking place. It was more of, um, you know, just attending your Sunday school classes and, you know, being at church when they were services and and of that nature, but there was, there was nobody really to just come alongside and, um, Mm -hmm. and just teach you about how to read the Bible and to teach you about you know, what it means to apply the word to your life. Like that just wasn't happening. And so we've really been passionate about that in our church today. You know, when someone comes forward and they accept Jesus Christ as their savior, which is the greatest thing in the world they can do, we don't want to leave them wondering, what do I do next? Like we mm-hmm. want to have the the spot for them and the the direction to say, hey, the next step for you is to get involved in a life group, you know, Mm -hmm. which is like our Sunday school classes. You know, we want you to be plugged in and have some sort of community and accountability. And then from there, the next step would be in our church of discipleship group. And so we just want to show people there is a way to grow spiritually. And I think a lot of people want to do that. They just don't really know what to do. Right. And so it's like, if we can give them a roadmap, 
then I know a lot of women, they're more than willing to make disciples. They have a passion and desire for it. They just may not know exactly how to do it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's kind of tackle this question. Although, hold on, let me throw this one at you. Okay. So I'm curious, just personally, so after you had that conversation with your youth pastor and you started serving and all of that, was there anyone after that that really kind of came alongside you and modeled that? Or did it just end up being you were studying the word, you were serving a lot, and that whole trial and error thing that you were talking about? Like, have you ever had anybody, um, even in that new phase of your sanctification and walking with the Lord, um, that came alongside you and discipled you? Yeah, I, I really did not. Mm-hmm. I my The youth pastor that led me to the Lord, him and his wife were very influential in my life. And so they were there for me. And I could go to them with anything that I had. And so they were an influence in my life, but I still didn't have like a woman that kind of came alongside of me um, more intentionally. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously I had my mom and she's a wonderful mom. And so, but, and and she taught me everything that, you know, that's important and values and all of that. But even our relationship, it wasn't like a walking side by side, investing spiritually all the time. Mm -hmm. So I really just didn't, I didn't have that. I just could, I just wanted to read the word and I just kind of grew and learned um, as the Lord allowed me to serve in different areas of ministry. And then let's see, I got saved in 2001. And so in 2008, I ended up participating in a discipleship group of a woman who was a little bit older than me. And it was the first time I participated in a group that I wasn't leading because Mm -hmm. I've just always led, if it wasn't teaching Bible studies, you know, it was discipleship groups. And so participating in that group was great for me for that season in my life because I obviously learned a lot. And so it was able to, you know, I was able to kind of see how a group is modeled and that was very helpful as I thought through the process of discipleship and like what would I, you know, eventually write about in the book. Mm-hmm. And so, but other, other than that one season of time, I really just never had somebody that came alongside and, and kind of offered that relationship to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say that is the same (laughs) in my life as well. Um, And I think even especially for this podcast, um, if you're listening, there's some form of leadership on your plate, you know, like that is Mm -hmm. in some form what we're doing. And I think so often um, as female leaders, we end up pouring out so much. We end up organizing all the things and working all of the things. And there's not a lot of those moments to where that is being poured into us. And so um, I think that's a really interesting thread, you you know, um, mm-hmm. both in your life and in mine, that um, you've had influential people, no doubt, yeah. that God has used to teach various things. But this whole concept of somebody pouring alongside, walking alongside, um, is is kind of a scarce thing, even for those that are in leadership. So the million-dollar question, I think that probably I'm wondering and everyone else is wondering, so how do you start? Like, mm-hmm. what does it really mean to come alongside? You know, those are kind of even like slang words now in the sure. church, you know, like yeah, we're yeah. life on life. we we're going to live by one another. Uh-huh. Uh, so what does that actually mean? Um, what have you seen work? Um, don't give us all of your book, obviously. Yeah. But what are some of the main um, kind of truths and nuggets to hold on to? And just how do you start this thing? Yeah. Um, and all these are great questions. And I'm so <laughs> passionate about. So um, I, I, I always tell people, first off, we have to be a disciple before we make disciples. And so mm-hmm. I think we can't expect somebody to do something or participating to participate in something that we're not doing ourselves. So that's where I always tell everybody to start. And so 
when I say, you know, be a disciple, what am I, what am I meaning? You know, I'm meaning that you are, you are putting forth that effort to constantly grow in your relationship with the Lord. And we do those through spiritual disciplines. Obviously we, we, you know, read the word, we pray, you know, we attend corporate worship with the body of believers. You know, there are things that we do to grow spiritually and truly, I mean, I can't stress this enough that discipleship is truly a lifestyle. It is not, I can turn this on every Wednesday night when I meet with my group or at the coffee shop. Like it's not something that is turned on and off and it's not a once a week meeting type of a thing. It's that, but it's so much more. It is truly, yeah, it's a lifestyle. And when you are, you know, growing and you're, you're consistently in the word of the Lord. I mean, there is no way that that fruit that is happening in your own life can be stopped. It is going to be an overflow. And, and what is overflowed is that discipleship process. If you're, if you're in the word of the Lord and that, that is eventually just is going to be what comes out. And Mm -hmm. so as we're working on our relationship with the Lord, we're spending time with him. The best way to do that for accountability is in a small group of four to six, which is what we call a D group. So a discipleship group. And so if that, if, if you're listening and you're like, I, that's me, you know, I've, I'm working on my relationship with the Lord and this is something I'm passionate about. Where do I start? And my answer is always prayer, you know, it, and I know that it sounds kind of cliche to say that, but you know, Jesus spent all night in prayer um, in Luke six verses 12 through 13. It says he went up onto the mountain. He spends all night in prayer When he comes down from the mountain, it says he calls his disciples to himself and of them, he chooses 12. So he, and he names them apostles. So he's been, he spent all night in prayer about the 12 that he's going to be choosing of the disciples that were following him at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And so if, if Jesus himself is spending all night in prayer, then that is definitely something that we have to do. And so I say, start with prayer. And as you're praying, you're praying for potential women that you would be able to come alongside with and disciple. And so I always tell ladies to, to start making a list. And, and as women come to your mind, write them down on the list and pray through their names. You know, if you have the time, pray through it for a month. If, you know, pray through them for a couple of weeks, but just start writing down some names and praying through them. And, you know, if you need kind of help as far as like, you know, Am I supposed to just think of random women or like, what, what do I need to do? I always tell people, think of the area of influence you already have. So a lot of our listeners that are going to be listening to this are in leadership form in some, some way Mm -hmm. at their, at their churches or at their workplace. And so it may be, you know, leadership team members that you have, or if you're a pastor's wife, it could be staff wives. Or if you're a mom and your kids are in school, it could be moms at the school. You know, it could be coworkers, it could be neighbors, it could be, I have a heart for college women or high school students. You know, where is it that the Lord has already kind of given you a passion mm-hmm. and he's knit your heart to a certain area? You know, where is that? And start thinking through those women. And it could be, <clears throat> excuse me, it could be all of those things. You know, you could have the Lord lay on your heart women from different ages and stages of life. And that's okay too, but you just want to start writing down those names and praying through them. That is where that would be starting point. Number one. I love it. 
I love yeah. it. Okay. So then you get started, you pick your four to six and you pray. And then this is your group. And I think, I don't know about you, but um, I think a lot of people have kind of entered into these groups and they end up becoming centralized more around, um, trying to think of how nicely to say this, mm-hmm. um, more mm-hmm. around like emotion or oh, yeah. um, counseling, you know, mm-hmm. like it ends up being almost, especially with women, you know, like we can kind of get a little sidetracked sure. um, on the worst end, gossipy, those kind of things. Sure. So. What is your advice in these groups um, and those groups that we're leading to where you really stay centered on what matters um, and that you're making sure that not only are you creating a vulnerable space for life and sharing life, but you're also staying on track as disciples, right? Because it's really easy for us to veer. So how would you kind of coach us in that? Yeah. And and it's such so many good questions. Um, So, okay. (laughs) I would say, first off, whenever, whenever you're meeting in a group, you have to have a plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I even tell women, as you're praying, plan the process. And so I have kind of narrowed down what would be essentially, what, what what the essentials are that need to be included in order for it to be biblical discipleship. And so what I'll do is I'll go over those essentials and then we'll hit on the prayer aspect in that. Um, but like, so if you have this process, you have to have, you have to commit to a Bible reading plan first and mm-hmm. foremost. Mm-hmm. So whatever Bible reading plan as a leader, you want to choose, you choose a plan because that is what you're going to ask the girls to commit to um, when y'all journey together. You, you know, you want to say, okay, hey, you know, Susan, been praying about this for a while now. I'm about to start a discipleship group in January. I would love if you would pray about joining me. This is what we're going to do together. And then you're going to be able to list what you're going to, what you're going to do together. And number one would be that Bible reading plan. Mm-hmm. You want to commit to that. And there are so many of them out there. Um, a lot of them are free. You can get them off on apps and, and all, all sorts of things. And you can do chronological. You can do the whole Bible. You can do New Testament, Old Testament, historical. I mean, you name it. You can do any plan your heart desires. But you want to choose a plan because the Bible, the word of the Lord, is the crux of everything in biblical discipleship. So you right. cannot replace that with anything. No study, no book, nothing. You want to have a Bible reading plan. And most importantly, you're doing that because not only are you feeding yourself, but you're teaching the ladies that you're with to become self-feeders as well. And that's Mm -hmm. extremely important in today's world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just really important. So you want to have that Bible reading plan that's essential. And then also what's essential is memorizing the word. So you want to, you know, you have to be able to hide God's word in your heart. And, you know, I was teaching the class last night on this and we were talking about memorizing scripture. And I said, imagine if, if all of our Bibles were gone all of a sudden, you know, like imagine if they were taken from us and, you know, we didn't have the freedom to have them in our homes and be able to read them. Like how much of it would we really truly know? Like how much would we be able to, you know, quote and like, and to, to really truly know in our heart and in our life, like, you know, would we know that much? And I said that, you know, we're too far removed from something like that happening. And so if ever now is the time that we need to truly be memorizing God's word and, and hiding it in our hearts, because that's the only thing that can really never be taken away from, taken away from us, you know? Mm-hmm. So memorization of the word is another essential. And if you choose a reading plan that doesn't have scripture memory included, then you want to pull out those verses that you think are important for the girls to memorize. And you want to memorize like a verse a week. Um, I've got plans that, you know, I can talk to you about that if, if, if you're interested, but um, you know, any Bible reading plan will work. 
and you want to include scripture memory. And then another thing that's essential, what I say it's essential is journaling a couple of times a week through the word. And by journaling, you're keeping it from becoming a checkbox, like where I'm just checking boxes every day to Mm -hmm. I'm really focusing in on a few, a few of these passages and I'm going to apply it to my life. So that's what's so um, important about journaling. And when you get together with your group and you kind of go around the table and you each share that journal, that's the beauty of the discipleship group because you're all reading the same plan, Mm -hmm. but yet God is going to be speaking to everybody differently, you know, and they're going to journal on different verses, you know, and it's, that's literally my favorite part is just to sit and listen to the ladies as they tell me what God has spoken to them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's, that's beautiful. And yeah. And, then and that was, really is the beauty of community, right? That, and we all have different stories. We all have different things that we're bringing to the table um, and within these relationships. And so there's so much that I learn even now, you know, and just mm-hmm. sharing our stories, sharing our experience to where you're like, I never thought of it that way. Um, and I think right. so much of the push for discipleship, especially in Western culture, is because we are so used to doing things independently, you know, and like sure, none yeah. of discipleship is supposed to be, I mean, you know, right. studying all of that. Yes, sure, I get that. Yeah. But we're supposed to be living this in community. That's why God has given us the church and one another. And so there's so much gleaning that comes from exactly like you're talking about with the journaling and sharing um, the time that you individually pour into scripture and then how you're able to show what you've learned to others, right? Right, absolutely. Um, and so there's so much, so much beauty in that. So we're going to hit on your book at the end. Um, and so we'll definitely be able to push that so that um, everybody will know kind of what Candy is talking about and some of those plans and that kind of thing. But before we get there, I want to ask, what are some of the big fears or maybe even um, mistakes that you see? Because you've been doing this for a long time. Like this is obviously your heartbeat and you and Robbie have written books about it. And then you've got your new book out. So I'm really curious, just as you've looked at the church as a whole, what are some of the fears and mistakes that really kind of rise to the top that we need to avoid and maybe that we need to address to actually start living this thing out? Yeah, I would say, I think fear, you know, fear will paralyze us and prevent us from, you know, following through or moving forward in something that the Lord is laying, you know, before us. Mm -hmm. And I think, so I think fear in general is something like we can't let fear keep us from trying. And I I hear so many times, lots of women who, um, number one, they're afraid to share their story. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that in most of the discipleship groups I have had over the years, nine times out of 10, the ladies have never shared their story before until that group. Really? And, and it's like, so sometimes for the very first time, they're opening up because I, I mean, that's part of our covenant. Like I expect you to be able to give your testimony and, um, and, and it's, and it's in a, a good environment and, you know, of love and, and support and that sort of thing. But you know, I want to hear like, who are you and where have you come from and how did you meet Jesus and how are you different today because of that? You know, like, I don't want a five minute testimony. I want you to give me 20 minutes, you know, let's just talk to me. And, and so that's always one of our favorite times of the year. And every girl will tell you their favorite time of the year is testimony time. And, oh, it's just beautiful. And, but, but sometimes it's the first time they've shared that because they've been afraid of what other people might would think of them. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, Hey, it's okay to, you know, share my story and, and, and show how the Lord has worked in my life. And that's just, it's just priceless. And then, 
you know, they start that in a D group. And then for the rest of their life, if they're in discipling relationships, they're going to be sharing their story. And so no longer are they isolated um, in that fear and, and, you know, Satan able to kind of keep them quiet, but they actually come out of their shell and those walls begin to come down and they truly begin living life yeah, with yeah. others, which is what you want. Um, I would say another fear is uh, a lot of people don't want to, they don't think they can do scripture memory. And, and so I get this a lot too, that, you know, I just, I don't think I can do this or my mind doesn't work good or I don't have a good memory and, and those sorts of things. And I'm like, well, don't let that stop you. Mm-hmm. And Robbie says all the time, I would rather have somebody in one of my groups work the rest of their life on one verse than to get to heaven one day and have nothing committed to their memory from God's mm-hmm. word. You know, so we tell people all the time, it's not about the quantity. It's truly the quality of spending time with the Lord and having his word in your heart. So even if you don't have the best memory, that that shouldn't stop us from trying. And so, you know, I just try to tell people, don't let fear stop you from from going for it, you know, and putting mm-hmm. forth. I, we have had so many people who have just become memorizing machines who never thought they would be able to do that. And I mean, it's like you get them started on that. They, they're they not going to stop, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, and I'm talking about it doesn't matter if they're 70 or 80 years old. I mean, we've had 90 year old. I mean, we had a 90 year, 95 year old man at one of our churches who said he had a lot of young bucks in his group and the young bucks were 70. <laughs> and so he was discipling these men and it was just, I mean, it's just a beautiful thing, you know, and not to let our, our age or whatever is going on in our life stop us from growing, not only in our relationship with the Lord, but growing with others in community. You know, we need that. We need yeah. people in our lives, you know? Yeah. And what an example of 95 year old guy, you yes. know, um, because, you know, um, we're on the younger spectrum, probably, of what people would consider young and old. And right. I know in leading women's ministry and just our church members that you can kind of get into this mindset of like, okay, I'm done. Like I've put in my time, I've raised my kids, right. you know, like I'm done. And so now we're going to go explore and like life is life and you have been given a life. And until you take your last breath, you are to be pouring it into someone else and pouring Jesus sure. and pointing them to Jesus. And so I even just love that example of that story of how, we all, it doesn't matter what age you are, how young or how old listening today, like we have a expectation of if we have been changed by Jesus to help others chase after Jesus. So sure. I love, love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the questions that I have okay. just personally, I'm really kind of curious. So I took discipleship with Dr. Lawless last semester, mm-hmm. and this has just kind of been um, really reaming through my thoughts because I think in church, like when we're talking about mistakes or discipleship that we can get into these groups to where we have a group and we really like our group and then we don't duplicate our group. So before we close out, can you talk a little bit about how discipleship is supposed to be replicated? It's not just choosing a um, small group of women and going deep with them and then just sitting in that until we go home to be with Jesus. Let's talk a little bit about how some of the problem that at least I see um, is that we're not replicating. We're Uh not turning around and then causing those that we've discipled to then turn around and disciple others. So can you talk to that just a little bit? Yeah. And that is so true. I mean, you know, just that the expectation is for replication and it's not true biblical discipleship if it's not replicated. Hmm. You know, we always say the, you know, the mentee has to become the mentor or the player has to become the coach, you know? And, and so 
when I have a, girls that, that come alongside me and we're going to journey together for 12 to 18 months and they sign a covenant, you know, at the bottom of that covenant, it says, um, I will even now begin to prayerfully consider replicating this process um, when our time together is done, because I want them to know from the beginning, the whole entire goal, like, yes, it's for you, but it's also for those to come. And had the okay. disciples not, you know, replicated and not went on to, to share what Jesus had done for them, then none of us would be here today. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's extremely important. So at the end of our time together, because every single group ends the same way, you journey together for 12, 18 months, you love these people. And it's like, you can't imagine not seeing them every single week or talking to them all the time. And it's truly like a bittersweet time because for me anyway, it's always been this way. It's like, I love these girls so much. And I always think, man, my next group is never going to get any better than this current group. And then every single time I end up getting a new group and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this group. And it's like, (laughs) it's just this constant, you know, this just the Lord, you know, like doing this. And, and, and I tell the girls every time we, we get to the end and we're about to launch off, you have to realize that feeling that you have right now, where you just love these girls and you don't want to, there's a party that doesn't want to move on because this has been life changing for you. You have to realize that there's a whole nother group of women that need to experience that. They need to be sitting in our spot a year from now saying, I can't imagine my life without discipleship and I can't imagine my life without these girls. And so, you know, I always encourage them, even from the beginning, this is and should be replicated. Now, what I do to help that, um, that replication rate, because if, if, I feel like if we meet with girls for 12 to 18 months and we never allow them to lead under our leadership, then they're going to come to the end of that time and they're going to think, I can't do what she just did with me. Mm. However, if we walk alongside of them and we give them opportunities to lead throughout our time together, they'll walk away not having the question of whether or not they can do this thing because they've done it already. Mm-hmm. And so, and I feel like that's a huge um, element that we have to include when we're investing in others so that they will feel empowered and equipped at the end of that time to say, you know what, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Okay. So then practically, what does that look like for them taking on the reins of leading yeah. as you are leading them? What does that look like? So for, for me, the way I kind of structure it is when we start a group, if I was starting in January, let's say January through December, you know, January, I'm leading everything. I'm coming in, I'm, I'm, you know, we're chit chatting. I'm keeping everybody on, on track. I'm calling for scripture memory. I'm calling for, Hey, let's talk about our journals this week and what the Lord I'm doing all of those things. And then, you know, somewhere around February or March, we'll, we'll start testimony time for me. And that's their first taste of leadership without even knowing they're leading because Mm, number one, yeah, they're opening their mouth and they're talking in front of people, which sometimes they've never done before. And they're sharing their story. And most of them will tell you how therapeutic it is as they've prepared because they'll know like in advance when they're going to do that. And, um, and that's always, like I said, my favorite time. So, We'll, we'll do that for maybe however many girls I have, if it's four, four weeks or six, you know, we'll go do one a week for about six weeks. And that's, I don't even tell them, Hey, you're really kind of starting to lead, you know, cause you're sharing your life. <laughs> I don't even say that, but that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I lead everything else for that night. So I let them share for like 20 minutes and then I'm facilitating everything else. And then, you know, Right around, I would say summer or right after the summer is when I start saying, hey, um, 
I want you to help me out leading tonight. Maybe you can open up in prayer. And if we're like reading an extra book at the time, because sometimes I'll read books and they're optional, but we do read books in our groups too. And I'll have them lead maybe the book discussion and I'll lead the journal discussion. Yeah. You see. And so then we may go, we may do that rotation for a while. Then we may flip it where I say, Hey, you lead the journal discussion close in prayer tonight, I'll call for scripture memory and discuss the book. And so we'll just kind of split that time up to where when I get to about November, they are all, they've all prayed. They feel comfortable praying. They've shared their story. You know, they can facilitate and keep us on track for time for the most part. And so at that point, we start a rotation where every single week they have an opportunity to leave the entire night. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, hey, this is your night. So if there's something that you want to try that we haven't done, then come in here and try it. Let's see what happens, you know? And, um, and so, but it's, it's their first taste of, Hey, you know, one day I'm going to be leading a group like this regularly. And, you know, they get to kind of experience that with women they've journeyed, you know, with for a whole, almost a whole year. And so they really truly say, you know what, I'm getting a hang of it. I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I can do this. I can Mm -hmm. lead this group and I can invest my life. So it's just, that's kind of what it looks like for me. And, um, and, and so, that obviously I think could look a little different for every single person's group, but that point is letting them participate in that ministry. And we see, you know, obviously that's, we're looking to Jesus as the model for everything. And he did that with his disciples. He, you know, he led and then he enlisted them. They participated with him. And then eventually, you know, he left them and said, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come and, I want you to go out and, you know, make disciples. And so the, it's he used the same exact method. So that's where we've learned, you know, this from. I love it. I mean, there is no way to listen to this entire conversation and not think, okay, I at least have like the structure. Let's do this. Like yeah. I can do this. So mm-hmm. I think you've given so many good, just practical how to start, how to, you know, actually do the thing and then how to spin it off. So um, I've just loved this so, so much. So let's talk a little bit in closing. You have so many resources. The funny thing, um, this morning I had a meeting with one of my women's ministry team members and I went into the coffee shop and my hairdresser. Uh um, was there and she had previously asked um, for some materials on how to bring alongside two other hairdressers that um, are in her salon. Oh, wow. And so I had suggested y'all's book, Foundations. And so I walk in and they're doing it at the table, you know, with their lattes looking all cute Uh first thing in the morning. And I was like, hey, I'm talking to Candy today. So so I will go ahead and throw that out there. The Foundations books are great. There's even a child version that we've used with our kids. Um, Really great just to have an older kid and a younger kid section. And so you can definitely morph it to um, your child and and their specific needs and those kind of things. But you also have a new book that launched um, a little bit earlier this year called Disciple Her. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and tell us how do we get it? Um, Any of the resources that you have, what can you kind of share with that? Yeah. So uh, Disciple Her, I think it came out in February. And so it's, it's available. You can go, you can get it from Lifeway's website. I think you can get it from almost any major store, like maybe Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, that online. Um, I would suggest going to Lifeway and grabbing a copy if that's, if that's, if you're wanting one, um, Amazon also has them. And so, um, but yeah, it's basically, I wanted to provide women a resource that they can say, I have no idea what to do, except I do have, I have a passion and desire to do this. And I just need it 
shaped a little bit and I need some parameters and some suggestions. And so I wanted everybody to kind of have something in their hands that they could reference for years to come and say, okay, where am I at in this process? You know, and, and maybe, you know, get some advice or maybe, you know, develop a strategy that will work in your context, but just having something that they could walk step by step through and then being able to reference for years to come, you know, as they go through this process. And so that's really what I wrote the book for. And it's, it's very practical because that's how I learn. Like I kind of learn step by step. And so I've written it that way. And so a lot of what I've shared today and, you know, just many more like examples and, and scripture that the Lord has used in my life over the years are included in there so that you can really pick up the book, you can read it and you can walk away saying, I have no doubt in my mind what I'm supposed to be doing and, and mm-hmm. how to do it. So it's like, this is why we do it. And this is how we do it. It's it's all included there. Yes. And it's so much more extensive than even what we've talked about today. Um, and like troubleshooting, you know, like those yes. kind of, and your examples I love. And so you definitely want to go grab the book, even grab the cute little journal that matches the book. Yeah. Um, because like we've said today, the journaling is a big part of you being able to share your story and connecting um, not only what you're studying in the word, but also across the table. So um, very good. Well, Candy, how do they connect with you? Are you on Twitter? Um, yes. How do people kind of connect if they want Want to reach out to you. Yeah, so I'm on all the social medias. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm awful with all of my handle names though, because I mean, if you search Candy Galaty, you'll find me. <laughs> but um, I mean, like, I think like one of them's K Galaty, one of them's Candy, just Candy Galaty. So, but, but it's out there on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then if you go to replicateministries.org, that's our disciple making. Uh, ministry that my husband and I have. And, you know, all of our resources are there. And, you know, like you can book different trainers that we have to come and speak and stuff like that. All that would be from the Replicate website. Very good. Well, Candy, thank you so much for teaching us and showing us um, practically how to do this discipleship thing. I think um, hopefully after today's conversation, it doesn't seem as daunting or as scary, hopefully for all of us. And so I just want to say thank you for your time and your wisdom. And um, again, we're just so thankful that you're in our tribe and that you're helping us do this thing. So thank you so much for today. Well, thank you too. I've enjoyed it. (laughs) As always, we want to say thank you to the CSB, our official sponsor of the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure that if you're not in our Facebook group that you are plugging in there and getting to connect with other women leaders in the SBC. And I hope that you'll join me again next week for another episode of At the Table. Y'all have a great week. You have been listening to At the Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.